0: and verse 23 and 24. There's a principle that we talk about, you know, when we talk about giving, um, and and we call that principle seed time and harvest. Um, God is the one who established that principle, right? He established it in Genesis chapter 8 and verse 22, but um, you know Genesis 8:22 was before the Old covenant. all right? It was before the new covenant. Seed time and harvest is something that is always in effect irrespective of whatever covenant we're under because there's a lot of things that are you know it's about the covenant we're under. but seed time and harvest will always remain. Um, but here's what I like about this. I want to tie this into what we're celebrating this morning. God is such a believer. In seed time and harvest, that the greatest act he's ever performed, the death, burial, and resurrection, was seed time and harvest in action. He used seed time and harvest to bring about salvation. All right. Um, Let's go to John chapter 12, verse 23 and 24, and this is what I want to read here. But Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified, most assuredly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground. So when we talk about a grain of wheat, we're talking about seed. Right? So uh, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain or it produces much uh, fruit. So notice God took his son, who we could call the seed. He buried it, which we could talk about. There's the time, And then there was a harvest in his resurrection. But there's much more at play there. He took and buried the seed, which was his son, and the harvest wasn't just the resurrection of that son, the harvest was many sons. What he sowed, he received multiplied. right? Um, see, because Genesis 8:22, though, is, it's talking about weather. Right? And then John 12, it's talking about Jesus. So what does that have to do with money? Listen to this. Everything in your life has the potential to become a seed. Everything. It doesn't matter if we're talking about, you know, whether we're talking about money, whether we're talking about, um, you know, Jesus talked about forgiveness being a seed that you can sow into someone's life. Jesus talked about mercy being a seed that you can sow into someone's life. He talked about judgment being a seed that would reap a harvest in your life. And then Paul talked about even our works and our actions being seeds that we sow that produce a harvest. Because one of the things we we need, I think we need teaching on two things. We need to understand our covenants, right? The covenant that we're under, the new covenant, Jeremiah talked about it earlier. But we also need to understand seed time and harvest because that... A lot of your stuff that religion tells you is God, it's just a harvest of bad seeds we've sown. Yeah, so a lot of times. Now, s- sometimes life just happens. Ba- you know, bad things happen. But a lot of it is seed time and harvest. I, You know, God spoke this to me one time. He said, if you'll look at what you have right now, it looks a lot like what you've given in the past. Mm-hmm. Now, Again, it's not the case for everything. Bad things happen, but overall I believe that holds but now Paul also talked about money as a seed in second Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9 but here's what I want to I want to bring out I'm I've said all that but here's what I want to bring out in John chapter 12 he said unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies it remains alone unless you sow a seed nothing happens is what he's saying so here's what I want to say Anything, think about this and hear my heart here, anything you don't give or sow is as big as it's ever going to be. So if I've got $10 and I just go down to the gas station, get a candy bar, a pop, whatever, you know, um, that's as big as that $10 will ever be in my life. That's the only time I will ever see that $10 in my life, right? Right? But if I take and I sow that ten dollars, there's a principle of multiplication that goes into effect. Um, now, now let me say this: on the flip side, of, you you can take that and go wrong with it and think, well, I need to give everything I've got. Listen, if you need two hundred dollars for groceries, then you need two hundred dollars for groceries, right? I mean, you you know that's not your seed because you got to eat, right? Um, but at the same time, you know, listen, and that's why we hate, we hate when we go to the store and we're like, wow, I just spent this much money and this is all I got because we know it's gone. But when we give, whether it's, you know, towards the gospel like this morning or God tells you to sow into someone's life, that seed will be multiplied, guaranteed. Just like Jesus, you know, when he said, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit or I commit my spirit. Here's what he was saying. I'm the seed. Go ahead and, and sow me. And I'm trusting you from here on out. Right? Um, but look here. He says, but if it dies, it produces much grain. So if I take, so I'm talking about that $10. If I take $10 and sow it, to me it dies. Why? Because I'll never, I'm, I'm not going to see that $10 again. But I'm going to see a multiplication off that come back, right? Um, so think about this. Think about if God had not sent the seed of His Son, if He had not sent His Son, His only begotten Son, He would still have what? A son. But because He sold His Son into the earth, He now has billions of sons. Right. And he it's just him showing us, listen, you can trust me with this. Yes. Here it is being used. It, it I have it works so well that God's saying I use it. Amen. Right. And well, how? Don't know. Don't have to know. Uh, Jesus was teaching uh, on a sower. He said, listen, the sower goes and sows the seed, and uh, he says, you know, the seed sprouts and grows. He himself, speaking of the farmer, does not know how. A farmer doesn't have to know the science of a seed, the science of of a a crop. All he knows is when I put that in the ground, when I water it, when I take care of it, eventually there's a harvest. He just, he tried it at some point. He's seen it work. And he said, you know what, that works. I don't understand it. I don't know how, but I think I'll do that. Why? Because he knows what he wants, right? He wants a harvest. So, you know, with with us, we can look at our life and we can say, and like I said, it it goes far more, it exceeds far more than just money. All right, everything. um, Your kids are a seed that you're sowing into this world, right? When you're kind to someone, that's a seed that you're sowing into the world, right? It, everything is a seed. That, when I received that revelation of seed time and harvest, it changed my life because I realized literally everything I do has seed potential. Everything. Everything. Good, bad, everything. So what I, what I take and do and I like, what's the harvest I want here? And that tells me what I need to sow. Right, because there is this this level of discernment in sowing and reaping. Paul taught in First uh, Second Corinthians eight and nine. He says, "Listen, God gives bread to the to the eater, right? Seed to the sower. So there's that part. What do I eat? What do I sow? One principle God gave me years ago. Maybe this isn't for you, but he said if that's nowhere near meeting your need, that is probably your seed. Right. So you know, let God teach you this principle. Because people have abused it, but let him restore that to you. And how? By looking at the son. Because you see him using it with his son so he could have sons. Right? Isn't that good? Man, that's so good. So, uh, guys, if you need a giving envelope, you can raise your hand and Tim will get that to you. Father, we just thank you for this opportunity to give. We bless each and every seed that is sown this morning, that it will multiply and bring forth a bountiful harvest. In Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah. Oops, sorry.
1: Sorry.
2: We just have a few announcements. I'm only going to do a few announcements this morning. um Tomorrow night at the shelter, we are having our event where we bring food and music and preaching at the shelter. So if We'll start feeding at 6 o'clock, the shelter here in Georgetown. 6 o'clock, if you want to help, anytime after 4.30, people will be there as early as 4.30, getting everything ready, setting everything up. So if you want to come help or if you want to just not come till 6 or however that works, if you want to help, that's tomorrow night at the Georgetown shelter, the gathering place. If you need any information about that, ask Jeremiah or myself, and we'll give you the address and all that kind of stuff. And then after service today, right after service, we're going to have an Easter egg hunt out front for the kids. Um, so when the kids come downstairs, don't let them go out there and start running around because they're the eggs are already hidden out there. Or not hidden, but it's thrown out in the field. But um,
3: <laughs> So uh,
2: there's lots and lots of eggs. We all brought so many eggs. So um, the kids will do that right after service. And we are going to have the kids come down today at the end of service and do communion because, you know, we usually do that at the beginning. But we're going to do that at the end today. So when they come downstairs, we ask that they come like sit with whoever brought them so that we can do communion. It's going to be a celebratory thing, not a somber thing. So it's fine if the kids are... Happy and laughing and loud, but we do want them to sit with their parents while they do communion. But that's it.
1: Awesome. Thank you, honey. Doesn't she look so pretty today? She does. Amen. She's the prettiest, wisest person I know. It's the truth, man. That's just facts. My wife is the wisest person I know. Amen. Praise God. I'm not even getting points there. Anybody that knows her knows it's just the truth. Amen. Well, let's um, let's open our Bibles this morning. Let's go to Colossians chapter one, and I'm going to greatly shorten the message today because God wanted to do. Um, He's wanting to do other things, and so got to make room for Him to do what He wants to do. And He highlights different things at different times. But really, what I what I felt led to do was really endeavor to take the Word and just continue the worship service. And directing things to Jesus. How um, I mean, you know that, that we uh, we live in a day and age where God wants to draw all of the attention to Jesus, um, not to a preacher, um, not to a, a worship team or a church or a yes. denomination or non-denomination or whatever. We really, I think, we're gonna ha- we're gonna learn how to get skilled in kind of moving out of the way and just pointing to Him uh, because it's really it's all about Him. It's all about him, and um, I know that can come across almost like a, a, a cliche, but it's actually true. Um, all things were created by him, and all things were created for him. And 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 when you understand that, it's almost like the secret to being happy. Because um, if you're if you're living for something other than Jesus, and you're living kind of outside of him being number one, you're always going to have an element. Of being a little bit frustrated because it's not really what you were designed to do. Anybody ever tried to use a tool to do something it wasn't designed to do? Uh, You know how many doesn't work well. And and um, and you know I've used I've tried to use butter knives to fix stuff, and I've tried to. How many if you got the right tool you can get the job done pretty quick. But but when we we were actually designed for him, and uh, all things are created by him, and all things are created for him. And so, like when he when he's in the center, um, everything is good, and there's a joy and there's a happiness. And when I'm talking about Jesus being the center, I'm not I'm not just talking about church being in the center. I'm talking about something bigger than church, and uh, I think that's really important. And I thank God for church. I love church. I mean, it's been good that we've came together today. We've had a good time, and we've experienced the presence of the Lord. It's been good. And but 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 Jesus is so much bigger than a church service or a church building or just a moment in time. I mean. He actually wants to, to live in fellowship with you all the time. And, um, and that, that's what makes things good and what makes things sweet. But we live in a world that is always trying to crowd our hearts with other priorities and say other things are more important than Him. You know, like money's more important than Him, or uh, maybe a person is more important than Him, or a job, or a, or a, or a, or a material object, a car, a house. Um, just there's a million different things that would try to crowd the heart and be more important to him. It can be sports, it can be movies, it can be whatever. But in everyone's life here, you have something that's really important to you. There's something that sits on the throne of your heart. And, um, and it could be a good thing. You know, It could be your children, or it could be your spouse, or it could be whatever. But when, when your priorities are off, um, it tends to lead to not being happy. Um, because you're not really doing what you were created to do. And if, you, if we can make him center, then everything else gets taken care of. Your spouse gets taken care of. Your children gets taken care of. Your finances get taken care of. Everything else gets taken care of. <clears throat> but when there's something before him, then it actually becomes an idol and it, and it actually is something that can weigh you down. Now, if your priorities are off and you have a hundred other things before him, listen, it doesn't change the way he feels about you. He still loves you very much. And, um, and and he's all he he doesn't love someone else who has him prioritized higher than you do. He doesn't love that person more. No, he's not like that. He just loves you, but like he wants what's best for you. You know, I know that you know with my kids and stuff, I can see my little kids and I can see them about to make a mistake. You know, uh, you know, Lily, for example, she always wants to climb on stuff and she always wants to, you know, climb up. She's very strong-willed, she wants to do everything herself. And there are times when I can see her, she's about to like fall. But like, I, I, it's, and not like, like a major fall, but like maybe like stumble or something. I, want, I love her so much, I want to help her and help change her direction so that she doesn't fall, right? And so God knows that when we have things prioritized above him, then it, it, we, we kind of set ourselves up for a fall. And so he lovingly wants to direct us back to him and allow Him to be that number one priority in our life because that's actually how everything was set up. And in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 15, it says, talking about Jesus, it says, He's the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn over all creation. For by Him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. And I was quoting this a moment ago, but it says... All things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and in Him all things consist. He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things He may have the preeminence. All things were created by Him. How I many Jesus is the Word of God? He, God spoke. And, and when, he, when, when Father God spoke, Jesus is what came out of His mouth. And so everything that you see was created by Jesus. Jesus is that Word of God. When He said, "Light be," Jesus was the agency in which that was spoken. And I know that can kind of trip our circuit wires a little bit and <clears throat> our understanding. But Jesus, He is the Word of God. And so, everything was created through Him. Everything you see, the chair that you're sitting in, the clothes that are on your body, um, the cells that are in your body, your skin, your fingernails, your hair, your personality all those things were created by Jesus. And then all of that was actually created for Jesus. And, and, that, and so when we understand that, when, when we start to live as unto Him, and listen to me, living as unto Him is not you trying to prove your worth. It's not you doing everything perfect. It's not you doing everything right. It's you realizing how much He loves you. And you realizing how much He values you. And you realizing that the cross was a success and your sin has been removed from you. And you're living in an eternal state of being forgiven. You're living in an eternal state of being made right with God. When you start to realize those things, He starts to become more important. He starts to become the bigger picture. And... And understanding that and realizing that, you start to unlock just the key to happiness. Anybody ever lived and lived frustrated? And had a period of time being frustrated with things? And and so many times in the world we live in, we think, well, man, you know, I just need a bigger paycheck. I just need a nicer car. I just need this. I just need that. Have you noticed when you got that new thing that it didn't keep you happy? No matter what it was. No matter what you got, how I many know it will only satisfy you for a short period of time. And everybody in here, you probably have goals. You probably have things that you like to accomplish, things you'd like to have, and there's nothing wrong with those things. But how I many know when you get that, there can still be an element of dissatisfaction. There can still be an element of not fulfillment, and the the reason is is because you were created for Him. And so, like you're only going to be happy living in relationship to Him. Yeah. And the thing about it is, you can be happy with far less living in relationship with Him. How many of y'all, the abundance of things does not guarantee happiness? Yeah. Hollywood is a beautiful example of this. <clears throat> we see these people that, you know, they, they have all of this money, they have all of this fame, you know, they're good-looking people, they have this, they have that, they have everything. How many of you those people are miserable? It's real easy to to tell. I mean, we got those people like that killing themselves all the time. We got people like that living in depression and misery all the time because things don't have the ability to satisfy you. People don't have the ability to satisfy you because you were created by Jesus. And so, how many of you can do everything as unto the Lord? Everything. You can sweep the floor is unto the Lord. You can, you can make a casserole, is unto the Lord. You can be kind to somebody, is unto the Lord. You can grocery shop, is unto the Lord. You can drive, is unto the Lord. What's that look like? Well, it looks like, number one, you're receiving love. Because you got to receive His love. That's like the most important thing. <clears throat> but the next thing is it's you're giving love to other people. You're happy when you're being loved and loving. You are not happy when that's not happening. And and God wants us to live in that place of unity and in that place of union with Him, and and living is unto Him. There's a secret there to happiness. All things are created by Him and all things are created for Him. And so I just want to draw a little bit of attention uh, to who He is. You know, in the Scriptures, in in John chapter 1 and verse 1, it talks about Him being the Word of God. We talked about that just a second ago, but I'll read it to you. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. And then if you drop down to verse 9, it talks about Him being the light of the world. Verse 9 says, That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through Him, and the world did not know Him. So think for just a moment. Jesus created everything. And then He came came down and He became flesh. And He walked among us. And He lived among us. And His creation did not know that God was walking among them. That their Creator was walking among them. And how many know when He walked among them, he didn't act like the religious people. He didn't act like the Pharisees and Sadducees. He was different. He cared about the sinners. He didn't he didn't condemn them and stone them and kill them. How many of y'all, he was a physician to them? And he came to them and he found them and he loved them. He found, you know, women in the streets caught in the act of adultery and he and they all wanted to and the religious people wanted to kill him. And Jesus said, No, I didn't come to destroy life. I came to save life. And he would pick this woman up off of her feet and, 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 and reveal to her that no one had accused her and that he was not going to accuse her, even though he was the only one that had the right to accuse her because he was without sin. And then he set her free and he let her go and he went and he he went, and he picked out his disciples and they were rough, cussing fishermen and they were just common people. And he picked them out and he called them forth and he called out you know, tax collectors and and, and you see sinners so attracted to Jesus. The sinners loved Jesus. The religious people hated Jesus. Because when the Creator came down, He came down as the physician. He came down to heal. And, and they flocked to Him. They wanted to be around Him. Because when the sinner looked into His eyes, they didn't see the labels that they had heard their entire lives. They didn't see whore. They didn't see prostitute. They didn't see winebibber or tax collector or whatever. They saw somebody that valued them. <clears throat> and someone who knew what He created them to be. And knew that He had created them for better things than what they were currently experiencing. And when you looked into the eyes of Jesus, you fell in love. Because you felt valued. You felt like you had worth. You felt like there was something about this man. That without radio, without internet, without television, they thronged him. Everybody just wanted to touch him. They just wanted to be around him. They just wanted to be in his presence. Because because crea- the Creator had come down to his creation. and he just, And he walked among them. And he didn't judge them and condemn them and cast them out. He went out and he sought them out and he pulled them out of the highways and the byways. And he loved them and he valued them and he healed them. And he set them free. Because we have a God that loves us. We have a God that loves us. We have a God that loves us. us. But because of the Pharisees and Sadducees and the misrepresentation of who God was, everybody walked on eggshells around God and they were scared to even say his name because they thought for sure God hated them. They thought for sure God wanted to judge them. They thought for sure that God thought that one group of people was better than another group of people. But when Jesus came, he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I've come to show you this is what God is like. He's like me. I will get down in the dirt and I will play with the children. And when they and and how many know the kids wanted to be around Jesus? Sometimes I think kids are a greater judge of character than adults are. Kids know things that adults don't know. We get so wrapped up in BS, we're used to BS. How many of the kids see right through that stuff? And the kids wanted to be near Jesus. They wanted to be around him. They wanted to be near him so much that they wouldn't listen. And they were trying to come and be close to him. And the disciples were like, get these little kids away from Jesus. And Jesus was like, no. Let the children come. This is the kingdom. I've come for them. And they wanted to be near him. Why? Because he was love. He was love embodied. And he was beautiful and he was perfect, and he was so unlike everything that everybody thought he was going to be. The Jews wanted a warrior. They wanted a king. They wanted someone to overthrow the Roman Empire. They wanted someone to raise a sword. But our king, our creator, he came, and he carried himself with dignity, and he carried himself with love, but he came as a lamb. He came to lay his life down for us, and he wasn't what they thought that he was going to be. But he was the light of the world. He was like, this is what life really is. How many of you know that, 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 that people get so caught up in thinking one person is better than another person? How many of you know Christianity is one of, the, one of the worst places on earth for that stuff? It's one of the worst places on earth for, for, for hierarchies and. And, and one group of people being better than another group of people. I'm telling you, when our God came down, He destroyed that system. He went into the temple, and He tossed the temple tables. And He said, you've turned my house into a den of thieves, but it's supposed to be a place of relationship and prayer. In God's kingdom, there's not one son that's better than another son. There's not one daughter that's better than another daughter. And, 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 and the church at large has gotten so wrapped up in superstar preachers and, 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 and superstar worship teams and superstar churches and superstar this and superstar that. And I'm telling you, the Lord is laying the ax to the root to that. We can't. There's only one that should be worshiped. There's only one that should be celebrated. There's only one who should be adored and the focus be upon Him. It's not us. It's him. Now that doesn't diminish us because who's he looking at? He's looking at us. Who, who, who's the one that he came to save us? Who are, who are, who is, whose eyes is the bridegroom upon? Upon the bride. Can I get an amen? How many know you are the bride of Christ and he's come to earth to seek and to save you and to rescue you and to redeem you? So his eyes are on you, but he needs your eyes on him. And 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 God's switching gears in the church and he's changing things in the church, and, and preachers are gonna learn how to step out of the way, and worship teams are learning how to step out of the way, and, and it's not gonna be, it's gonna be about him. Can I get an amen? All eyes on him, all eyes on him, and you know, I never thought I would be a preacher, I never thought I'd be a Christian. I never thought I'd be standing in front of somebody opening the Bible. Ever. Ever. Because I I hated what I saw in Christianity. Like, all I saw was self-righteousness, bigotry, and holier-than-thou attitudes and rules. And I thought, man, if that's all y'all got, y'all can keep that. Because I'm going to go somewhere else. And I'm going to go have a good time without you. And so... I never thought I'd be here. But when I caught a glimpse of who Jesus really was, when I caught a glimpse of him, his person, as he pursued me, into the crack houses as he pursued me into the drug houses as he pursued me through the streets and through the parties and through all the crazy stuff I was doing he kept following me and following me and following me and would never leave me alone and when I caught a glimpse of the real Jesus my heart melted and I fell in love and I raised the white flag and I said I will serve you I will serve a king like that I will serve a king who's willing to wash the feet of his disciples. I will serve a king who's willing to lay his life down. When you catch a glimpse of who Jesus really is, it's game over. You can't resist him. And so what the enemy does is he works overtime to try to paint him into this picture of being a philosopher, of being a, um, of being a taskmaster, of being a joke, of being whatever, how many you know if you'll just notice all of culture comes together in the mocking of Jesus? All comedy, all movies, everything comes together to mock Jesus Christ. You know, if we think for just a moment, perhaps he's powerful. It's the one thing the entire world is unified on is the mocking of Jesus. How many of you know that they, they they they've even turned they turn his name into a cuss word? Like, if you're really going to cuss, if you're really feeling it, then you use his name. They don't do that for any other god. Nobody cusses with the name of Allah or Buddha or Confucius because there's not power in those names. He is God. He is the creator. He made everything. And so this, so the enemy works overtime to try to mock him and to try to hide him. Because the enemy knows once people have seen him, it's over. It's game over. And, and the thing about it is, one of the primary ways that God wants to reveal him is through us. Yes. Through us. And I'm not talking about you being a perfect Christian. I'm not talking about you having a perfect life. I'm not talking about you having perfect Christian hair. I'm not talking about you having all your bumper stickers perfect in your Christian t-shirts. I'm talking about you experiencing a love and grace that has overwhelmed you to where you know I don't got to be perfect for my God to love me. And somebody else don't got to be perfect for God to love them. And then when people look into your eyes and they see how you've been saved and how you've been set free and how you are not arrogant and egotistical, but you are humble and grateful and thankful, and you don't spend your days pointing at yourself, and you don't spend your days pointing at your church. You spend your days pointing to Jesus. People will see Him in you. People will encounter Him in you, and they will experience the loveliness and the beauty of Jesus. Through us. And once again, it's not about your perfection. Because religion always makes it everything about behavior. Behavior, behavior, behavior. And it's not that they want perfect behavior. They just want you to hide your imperfect behavior so they won't be embarrassed about what you do. Because they don't want you to make their church look bad or make something look bad. Jesus did not hide the flaws of his disciples. I mean, in the kingdom, we don't have to hide anything. There's nothing that has to be hidden because there's nothing that hasn't been forgiven. And so you're not walking on eggshells of trying to live this perfect life. No, you're walking in a place of gratitude and thanksgiving that you are a forgiven person, that you are a loved person, and that God loves you. Can I get an amen? People want to encounter. People are looking for Jesus. They're looking for him. They're looking for him everywhere. I was looking for Jesus in drugs. I was looking for, Je- I was looking for him everywhere. I was looking for happiness and contentment. I couldn't find it anywhere. But it's actually him. But the enemy has to hide him because he's, because he's too powerful when he's revealed. And when he's revealed, you can't, you can't resist him when he's revealed. Amen? And so he's the word of God. He's the lamb of God. John one twenty nine. who takes away the behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the entire world. Do you know that God is taking care of the sin of all of humanity? All of humanity. All of humanity's sin has been taken care of. All of it. All of it. Let's read it. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He took it away. How did he take it away? He became sin on the cross. For all time, for all mankind, he became sin. And then he died our death. And then he was raised again from the dead. He was was revived. He was resurrected, proving that sin had been taken care of. So there's not any issue at all between God and his creation. There's only the bridge. His name is Jesus. How many of you got to honor the son to get in the kingdom? I'm not preaching a universal salvation. You must receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. You must receive the gift. It's the only thing God requires from you. He's like, I'm going to do all for you, but I need you to receive my son. That's it. That's it. Just believe in him. But the issue is all sin's been taken care of for everybody. Do you know that's the best news in the world? You know, we have great news to a world that's dying and lost and hurting. We have good news. The good news is God loves you, and God wants you. And it does. And it's not like God is just wants one group of people and not another group of people. God wants every single sinner out there. Yes. Ones like me who was damning his name, atheists like me who would argue against Christians, people who are caught up in immorality, God wants them. He loves them. He paid for them. Now, once they receive him, how many of your sin will slowly lose dominion over their lives? It will lose dominion. That's what happened to me. You know, I wasn't one of these people who got set free overnight. Thank God for people who got set free overnight. I wasn't one of those people. I rolled into church in chains. I rolled out of church in chains. I used to get high and go to church. I did for a long time. I did. And uh, I'm thankful that I kept coming. You follow me because, like, I I was—I didn't get set free overnight. But what happened was, the truth kept coming, and the truth kept coming, and then the chains started popping off of me, and then now I stand before you. I'm totally free—free from drugs, free from alcohol, free from pornography, free from lust, free from all that junk. It has no control over me anymore. I'm free. I ain't free from donuts. Still, still got a work in progress. Hallelujah! Ain't hey, free from cinnamon rolls. <laughs> Don't take that personal, man. Let me tell you a funny story. I'm in the now. Everyone knows I love sweets, right? Anybody that knows me knows I love sweets. So I'm in the kitchen, and like I got the last homemade Emily cinnamon roll back there, and I have got this thing, and I've been working my whole. I'm going. I'm going to hit the gravy. In the biscuits, I'm going to get that cinnamon roll. That's my goal. I'm loving on everybody, talking to everybody, but I'm slowly working my way back there. And I'm watching them cinnamon rolls because I know how quick they go because they're homemade. And so I'm like, okay, there's a couple more. And so I get that last cinnamon roll, and I put it down, and I got it, and I'm eating my biscuits and gravy, and Drew comes over, and he's like, hey, man, tell me about your trip. How was the ministry trip? So we're talking, and we're fellowshipping, and then we're talking. And then all of a sudden, I look around, and I realize, what happened to my cinnamon roll? (laughs) Who? Where'd my cinnamon roll? Who took my cinnamon roll? Drew ate my cinnamon roll while I testified. He's like, "Tell me about your ministry trip. Tell me about." Amen. Let's give it up for Drew. Come on. He's bringing freedom and deliverance into my life. Hallelujah. One cinnamon roll at a time. Praise God. For the record, he did not know that it was mine. He was there for the love. He was there for the love. Hey, and for the record, there was actually another pan of cinnamon rolls, so I still got to eat the cinnamon roll. Praise God. The Lord is good. Amen. So I'm free, but I still got some areas that I'm working on. Anybody got some areas they're still working on? Do you know the Lord will love you and work you through that? The most important thing is just keep coming to him. Don't run from him. run to him. That's the reason that David was a man after God's own heart. It wasn't because he was a perfect man. It was because he ran to God when he made a mistake. Can I get an amen for that? And man, and we got some people out here in the world that need Jesus. And, and, they, and, they're, and they're covered in some sin. Like when we do this outreach on Monday, um, I'm hoping that we have some prostitutes come by. I'm hoping that we have some drug addicts come by. A few, uh, uh, one time we had, we had the guy that ran the meth house come by. And because there's a meth house that's on that street, and he came, and he ate. Now, is he any less worthy of love than any of us? Does God not have a plan for his life? Does God not want to set him free? He does. How many? He's welcome to come and sit down at the table and eat. Now, did he get born again and saved that day? No, he didn't. Not that I'm aware of. But you know what we're going to do? We're going to go feed him again, and we're going to love on him again. Can I get an amen? Because it's not a drop of grace that sets people free from the dominion of sin. It's an abundance of grace. Listen, you got to keep loving people even when they're struggling. you got to keep loving people, amen? And God will bring freedom and God will set them free. But we don't get to pick and choose who deserves God's love and who doesn't. You don't get to do that. That's not a part of your call. How many know you? You and I—we're called to be ministers of reconciliation. We're called to share the message. Amen. God will—God will fix people. You know, when I first got saved, I used to—I would pray over my food in the break room and drop f bombs all day long. (laughs) I wasn't sanctified. I didn't grow up in church. I didn't know any better. I didn't. How many know God still loved me, and how many know God still heard my prayers? Okay, get an amen. Come on now. Hallelujah. God's not scared, right? But, but now God, God has set me free from these things that I'm talking about. But I'm saying all these things to, to say this, that our, our creator, he loves us. And the cross was a success. And the lamb of God took away the sin of the world, amen? John 14 declares that Jesus is the truth. He is the truth. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then John 8, 12, he said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. John 7, uh, 37, he said, I am the fountain of living water. He said, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. John 6, 35, he said, I am the bread of life. Like, he's everything. And what you have to understand is that your Old Testament... Everything in that Old Testament actually points to Jesus. Every single sacrifice, every lamb, the Passover, Moses, Elijah, every tassel on every robe, everything is actually revealing Jesus. He is the aleph and the top. He's the beginning and the ending. He's the alpha and the omega. He is everything. Can I get an Amen. And and like you and and he want, and everybody in this room, you know him to some degree, myself included. We all know him to some degree. But how many of you know he wants to show you more of who he is? Yes. He wants to he wants to reveal more of himself to you. And then the final thing that we'll talk about in, in John eleven, and in verse twenty five, Jesus said to her, "I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die." Physically, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. He said, I am the resurrection in the life. I am the resurrection in the life. I am the resurrection in the life. How many? oh, God will take something in your life that looks dead, and he'll turn it around and bring life to it. It can be a child. It can be a situation. It can be a relationship. It can be a financial moment. It can be it can be sickness, it can be disease, it can be anything where the enemy is trying to push death into your life. How many God has the ability to turn around? There's nothing too dead for Jesus. There's no heart too hard for Jesus. He is the resurrection and he is the life. Can I get an amen? amen. And he loves you so much. 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 And so now, like I said, I'm cutting things short and I, I just want to read, I want to read the actual account of his resurrection. Amen? So let's all settle in for a moment and let's, let's remember this victory. Yes. And then we'll, then, we'll, then we'll bring the kids in and we'll end with communion. So Mark 15, if you want to follow along. It says, immediately in the morning... The chief priests held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council. And they bound Jesus, and they led him away and delivered him to Pilate. Then Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And he answered and said to him, It is as you say. And the chief priests accused him of many things, but he answered nothing. I always think it's so ironic that God himself is being interviewed by a simple man. But God himself is making a decision not to call 12 legions of angels. God himself is making a decision to lay his life down for us so that he could take away our sin. Then Pilate asked him again saying, do you answer nothing? See how many things they testify against you? But Jesus still answered nothing so that Pilate marveled. Now at the feast he was accustomed to releasing one prisoner to them Whomever they requested, and there was one named Barabbas who was chained with his fellow rebels, and they had committed murder in the rebellion. Then the multitudes, crying aloud, began to ask him to do just as he had always done for them. But Pilate answered them, saying, "Do you want me to release to you the King of the Jews?" For he knew that the chief priests had handed him over because of envy. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd so that he could so that he should rather release Barabbas to them. How I many you know Pilate wanted to release Jesus? He really did. He didn't want to to crucify him. Religion, self-righteousness, crucified Jesus. Pilate answered and said to them again, What then do you want me to do with him whom you call the king of the Jews? And so they cried out again, Crucify him. Then Pilate said to them, Why? What evil has he done? But they cried out all the more, Crucify him. So Pilate, wanting to gratify the crowd, released Barabbas to them and delivered Jesus after he had scourged him to be crucified. Then the soldiers led him away into the hall called Praetorium, and they gathered together the whole garrison. And They clothed him with purple, and they twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head and began to salute him and to mock him. Hail the King of the Jews! Then they struck him on the head with the reed and spat on him. Bowing the knee, they worshipped him, when they had mocked him, They took the purple off of him and put his clothes on him and led him out to crucify him. This is the Creator. This is what His creation is doing to Him. And how many know the whole time He's loving them? He's loving them. Not fake loving them, loving them. Why? He's about to die for the sins they're committing. This is what kind of God we have. Then they compelled a certain man, Simon a Cyrenian, the father of Alexander and Rufus, as he was coming out of the country and passing by to bear his cross. They brought him to the place Golgotha, which is translated the place of the skull. Then they gave him wine mingled with myrrh to drink, but he did not take it. And when they crucified him, they divided his garments, casting lots for them to determine what every man should take. Now it was the third hour, and they crucified him. And the inscription inscription of his accusation was written above the king of the Jews, with whom they also crucified two robbers, one on his right and the other on his left. So the scripture was fulfilled, which says, And he was numbered with the transgressors. And those who passed by blasphemed him, wagging their heads, saying, Aha, you who destroyed the temple and built it in three days, save yourself and come down from that cross." Likewise, the chief priests also mocking among themselves with the scribes. He saved others, himself he cannot save. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, descend now from the cross that we may see and believe. And even those who were crucified with him reviled him and mocked him. Now when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama, lama which is translated, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of those who stood by when they heard that said, look, he's calling for Elijah. Then someone ran and filled a sponge of sour wine and put it on a reed and offered it to him to drink, saying, let him alone. Let's see if Elijah will come and save him. And then Jesus cried with a loud voice and breathed his last breath. Then the veil of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom. So when the centurion who stood opposite him saw that, he cried out, his, like, out like this and breathed his last breath. He said, Truly, this man was the Son of God. And there were also women looking from afar, among whom were Mary Magdalene, the mother of James, the lesson of Joses, and Siloam, who has also followed him and ministered to him. who was in Galilee, and many other women came up with him to Jerusalem. And now when the evening had come, because it was the preparation day, that is, that is the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Ramaphia, a prominent council member, who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, coming and taking courage, went into Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Pilate marveled that he was already dead. and summoning the centurion, he asked him if he had been dead for some time. So when he found out from the centurion, he granted the body to Joseph. Then he brought fine linen and took him down and wrapped him in the linen and laid him in a tomb which had been hewn out of rock and rolled a stone against the door of the tomb. And Mary Magdalene and the mother of Jesus observed where he was laid. Now, when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of Jesus, and Siloam brought spices that they might come and anoint him. Very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb. And when the sun had risen, they said to themselves, Who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, "'Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified, but He is risen. He is not here. "'See the place where they laid Him, but go tell the disciples and Peter, "'and He is going before you into Galilee, that you will see Him.' "'And He said to you, So they went out quickly and fled from the tomb, "'for they trembled and were amazed, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were very afraid. "'Now when He arose early on the first day of the week, He appeared to Mary Magdalene, "'out of whom He had cast seven demons.' she went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. And when they had heard that he was alive and he had been seen by her, they did not believe. And after that, he appeared in another form to two of them as they walked into the country, and they went and told it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. And later he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table, and he reproved them for, for their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they did not believe those who had seen him before when he was risen. And then he said to them, Go into all the world, Preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it will by no means harm them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So now after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and said at the right hand of God, and they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through accompanying signs. How many of all that same commission holds true for us today? We are to share the good news that all sin of all mankind has been taken care of on the cross, and there's nothing holding anybody back from getting saved. All you got to do is receive Jesus. Amen? How many of you all this nice thing not about church attendance or tithes or offerings or, or, or any of these little idiosyncrasies. How I many you know none of those things save you? Jesus saves you. And and it's good to serve God. It's good to come to church. It's good to, to give. It's good to be a blessing. All those things are good, but those are not the things that save you. Only Jesus saves you. Amen? So um, can we have communion, please? And can we play that song? And let's bring the kids in. Oh, it's cool. And we're just going to end on communion. We're just going to end and, and we're going to just do this in remembrance of him and just honor him and his sacrifice. and So grateful and thankful for him. Hallelujah. And I just want to encourage you. There are other aspects of who he is. There are other places that he wants to reveal himself to you.
0: He wants to show you who he is. Amen. Let's get those lights in the back. Let's stand to our feet.
1: Somebody get the kids for me. Let's bring the communion up. Hallelujah. Closing right here. Can we turn a little louder? Thank you, Lord. You can play it again, stuff. There's
4: honey Thank in me. the rock, water <laughs> in the storm. I'll take some. we got some more community cups coming home.
1: please thank you sir yeah.
4: thank you God All right. let's turn that down just a little bit and I
1: just want to say something if there's anybody in here and you don't know that you're born again if you don't know that you're saved we just we want to give you opportunity to get saved 'Cause there's no reason to not be saved. Like it's literally easiest thing in the world. So, if he, is anybody here ready to get saved? And you're not saved? Just lift your hand up if you're ready to get born again and you need to be saved. I see you. Come on, brother. I knew it was you. Come on. Come on down. Yeah, we're gonna pray with you. Anybody else? Anybody else? God down here was like, somebody needs, somebody needs you. Yes, sir. Let's give it up for this guy. It takes a lot of courage. Yeah, man. Anybody else need Jesus and need to get saved today? Just come on down. All you gotta do is just lift your hand up for anybody else. This is the best decision anybody could ever make. I'm not asking you to join a church. Not asking you to be perfect. Just asking you to receive a gift. Anybody else? Any other hands? Is there a hand coming up? If you see a hand come up, then just pull them out. Come on down. This little girl right here. Okay. Come on down, sweetie. Let's give it up, y'all. Yes. It's awesome. It's awesome. Yeah, just come on up, baby girl. Anybody else? Anybody else? Okay. So what we're going to do...
4: There's honey in the rock, water in the storm. To see, and after he stared, it's not hard to see. Only you can satisfy.
1: And praise God.
4: Oh, man, I love Jesus.
1: Let's lift the bread up, y'all. Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you. Lord, I thank you that for everybody in here, this would be a just a special moment, a special moment, Lord, of, of us remembering your victory. I thank you, Lord. It's a, We can turn the music down now. I thank you, Lord, that it's not just a ritual. It's not just something that we do because it's what we're supposed to do. I thank you, Lord God, that we do this in remembrance of you. We remember your victory. Jesus, we thank you. You were successful on the cross. You are successful on the cross. Our sins and lawless deeds you remember no more. I thank you, Lord. Your body was broken for us, and we celebrate. We eat the bread of life now.
4: Thank you
1: Lord Lord we lift up the cup we thank you that it represents the blood of Jesus and I thank you Lord we take it as a forgiven people we take the cup now praise God let's give the Lord a round of applause amen <laughs> hallelujah It's good it's good so Stacy will you come up here and give everybody direction